Welcome to the Chris Rawl Show. What a week in sports it has been. Remember, I have a website. It is www.chrisrawl.com. You can find every episode of the show. You can find stuff that I've written. Go there, chill, hang out, help spread the word. Now we get on to today's show because there's so much stuff to talk about. The NFL offseason continues to explode as every team is racing to go all in on 2022. I am going out of my mind because the sports are too good and there's too many of them. March Madness, the opening weekend did not disappoint. St. Peter's is probably the story coming out of those first four days as some guy with a mustache was bombing out Kentucky and Murray State and now a college that literally nobody has heard about, including myself, is into the Sweet 16, which is March Madness in its most perfect, idealized form. They're great games. North Carolina Baylor, I don't even understand how a 25-point lead can evaporate in the final 10 minutes of a game, but then North Carolina still wins. Arizona TCU was awesome on Sunday night, going into overtime. There's all sorts of great stuff going on as the race for the college basketball championship titans. We're watching it in real time. It's great. It's all of the things that I talked about last week. Just this pure form of entertainment that might not determine the best champion. Uh, We have St. Peter's there in the last 16 teams standing, but it just gives us incredible viewing experiences, right? Uh, Simultaneous to this, the NHL trade deadline, it's going to have passed by the time the show is released. While I'm recording this, we're right in the thick of the trade deadline. And we're not at the exact same point in the NHL as we are with college basketball, but we're getting into that stretch run. And it's kind of the arms race where teams that are good are looking at their roster and looking across the league and saying, do I need to add? And if I do, what do I need to add in order to push me over the top? So we're seeing that on the NHL side, a league that is notorious for teams being willing to cash their chips in and move them to the center of the table and say, I'm ready to go all in this year. We're really seeing that in the Eastern Conference where the Maple Leafs, they're loading up. They trade for Mark Giordano from Seattle. They get a piece that they drastically need, a defenseman who knows how to play defense, which they previously have not had on their roster. Florida, who has been phenomenal all year, plays about as fun a brand of hockey as you're going to find. They're trading for a defenseman because they needed one. They get Ben Sherratt, but they're also adding to the most stacked forward core in the league, and they get Claude Giroux, two players that Florida's hoping can push us right over the top, get us to where we want to be, hoisting the Stanley Cup in June. Uh, Boston Bruins, they trade for Hampus Lindholm. I don't know why they think they need another defenseman, but apparently they did. And they shipped out a bunch of assets to get Lindholm to join a defensive core that already is stacked. It's already one of the strengths of their team. Build upon a strength, right? But we're seeing the race for the championship titan within the sport of hockey. We're seeing teams really lean into that all-in aggressive mindset that I really like talking about that's been really prominent within the NHL for all of time and really prominent recently within the NFL. So coming out of this last week, the NFL offseason is the thing that I have been thinking about the most, which is kind of crazy because, again, I've watched a lot of really cool sports and we've had added intrigue with the trade deadline in the NHL. But the NFL offseason, it's just it's turning into an arms race. Even before we've gotten to the NFL draft, we're still a month away from my favorite off-field event of the entire year. But NFL free agency and the trades that have occurred, they've been insane. And they've really spoken to 
what I've been watching within the NFL over the last couple of years and really, really, really prominently within this last season and offseason. As the race for the championship is tightening in 2022, we see so many teams go, all right, now's the time. We're going all in. We're not going to have this patient approach where we're drafting and cultivating from within and letting expensive free agents walk away and that kind of stuff. Nope, we're going to cash our chips in. We're seeing this increased willingness to go all in in the NFL. And I think a lot of that has been informed by the last two Super Bowl champions, as I've talked about a lot, the Rams and the Bucks, and they have leaned completely into that strategy and won the last two Super Bowls with it. And now we see other teams go, okay, I want that. So I've been reading a lot of stuff over the last week as it pertains to these trades, as it pertains to teams and how they build their rosters, and as it pertains to what it takes to win in present-day NFL and how the idea of that is conforming into what I kind of think are are two separate things. Now, one of the articles that I read was from Stephen Ruiz of The Ringer, and I want to read some things today within the show that come from him. This is the first paragraph that I want to read from him. Blockbuster trades were a rarity in the NFL even five years ago, and now it seems like we get two or three every offseason. Maybe that's because a new generation of executives are more willing to wheel and deal, or maybe it's due to the growing influence of analytics. Whatever it is, teams are just more aggressive when it comes to adding talent. End quote. So the NFL is a copycat league. We know this. And we know that the Bucks and the Rams, they've won the Super Bowl last two years. They've done that with aggressive mindsets, going all in. They've done that with blockbuster trades at the quarterback position, the most important position. And the combination of those two things has led everyone else to say, all right, we want to mimic that approach. It's the NFL through the lens of those two teams, but just in the resulting effects from that, it's the NFL very clearly telling us you need two things to survive in the present day NFL. You need a quarterback. That's obvious. And number two, you need to get to the quarterback. You need people who can rush the passer. That's what we're seeing right now. The Buccaneers two years ago, Tom Brady, swap him in for Winston. That's worth a whole bucket of gold in its own right, because it's a dude who's not throwing 30 interceptions. And then they have the best defensive line in football that year. Dominic and Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett and on Vita Vey, all those guys, and they're just annihilating people throughout the playoffs. The Rams this last season, same thing. Swap Jared Goff out, put Matt Stafford in. That's an upgrade worth a whole pot of gold. And then on the defensive side, Aaron Donald, the best player in football. He's going to be a one-man wrecking ball by himself when it comes to rushing the passer. But then let's you know throw in Leonard Floyd and let's trade for Von Miller. And now we have a defensive line that is Super Bowl caliber. And we saw that. So now we're seeing teams that are just looking at those last two Super Bowls and saying, I need that. Uh, And I don't think this is just some revelatory thing that now we've suddenly found out you need to have a quarterback and you need people who can rush the passer. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying that teams are willing to sell their souls in order to obtain those things because of how important those two things are in the NFL. Passing league, first and foremost, all about offense. So you need that. And then you need to try and slow down the opposition. You need to try and slow down their quarterback's ability to sit in the pocket and make throws. So let's start with the division, the AFC West, which I thought was done with all these crazy acquisitions and just adding talent to already talented teams. And I was wrong because this arms race, it just doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. But the AFC West is the perfect symbol of what the NFL is. Quarterback league and a league that you have to get after the quarterback. And the Chiefs, they know that. 
They've been that. That's why they've won a Super Bowl. That's why they've played for another Super Bowl. That's why they've been in the last four AFC title games because they have Patrick Mahomes, who at his best is as good as any quarterback in the league. They have Chris Jones, who at his best is the second best interior defensive lineman in football behind Aaron Donald. And a dude who he played one of the very best games of his career in the Super Bowl that they won against the San Francisco 49ers. If you go back and watch that game, more than anybody on the field, including Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Kelsey, pick any of those stars, the player of that game was Chris Jones. He was the one who was just a force all night long. He was the one who was making the biggest plays on defense, forcing Garoppolo to throw interceptions, that kind of stuff. Chiefs understand the formula. They're locked in with it. And once you get locked in, you can afford to try and build out on the fringes. Let's try and add to that. Let's see where we can improve as the Chiefs have been doing over the last four years. Now their division is following suit because to beat the king, you kind of got to go through the king, right? It's easy. Um, and you're going to have to fight fire with fire within that. You know Patrick Mahomes is going to be there for a really long time. Chris Jones doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. So a team like the Chargers, they're kind of wandering around and Phillip Rivers leaves and they're going, all right, Phillip Rivers was a great quarterback, but we just couldn't get over the hump for a lot of reasons that don't have to do with Phillip Rivers, I think. But let's go out and let's try and find a quarterback. And through an incredible series of events, Justin Herbert falls to them in the draft. Bill Burrow goes before him. Bengals are feeling fine about that. Tutagavaloa goes, goes before him to Miami. They're probably not feeling very good about that. And the Chargers draft Justin Herbert. And after two seasons, he is already a top five quarterback in the league and looks like he is going to be on the short list for this could be the best quarterback in football in the very near future. So the Chargers see that. They understand it. They have not done a great service to Justin Herbert the last two years. And so they said, all right, we, we got to get better. We already have the quarterback. We have the most important position. What else do we need? Look around the league. Copycat mindset. Teams are going all in. Teams are trying to get quarterbacks. Teams are trying to rush the passer. What can we do there? We already have Joey Bosa, one of the best ends in football. Let's do more. Let's trade for Khalil Mack from Chicago. Now they have, if healthy, probably the most terrifying edge rushing duo in the NFL between those two players. Bosa and Mack, that is not a combination you want to be staring down if you are the opposing offense. And in addition to that, the Chargers, because they're saving money on Justin Herbert's rookie contract, they know now is the time. You got to go all in. Rookie quarterback contract that gives us the opportunity to sign people we couldn't necessarily sign if we were paying top dollar for a top quarterback. So let's go out and we can go into free agency and sign somebody like JC Jackson and get the top agent cornerback off the market, put him in that defense, another piece to try and slow down what is going to be in this league, in this conference, in this division. Another piece to say, all right, let's get you and try slow down Tyree Kill or Kelsey or however we want to utilize you. But the Chargers are trusting with Herbert and Bosa and Mack and JC Jackson. We have a core that we can go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. Maybe that's true, maybe that's not, but it's going to be really, really, really intriguing and high-level football that's going to be going on within this division because it doesn't stop there. It goes to every single team within the AFC West. All of these teams in present day are saying, we're going all in right now. Now is the time. The Broncos, they're shipping out a bunch of stuff to go and trade for Russell Wilson. Spoke a lot about that trade as it occurred, so I won't dive in too deep, but it speaks to the willingness and almost that teams feel their hand is forced 
if you're not making these huge drastic moves, especially at these important positions, you're just getting left in the dust. So the Broncos, they're swapping out Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, and they're bringing in Russell Wilson. And in addition to that, they're saying, we can't just do this one thing. We got, we need more. So we already have Bradley Chubb, not the greatest rusher, but he's shown flashes. But let's go out and pluck Randy Gregory from the Cowboys, who was awesome last year for them, who seems like he has kind of limitless potential. They pay him a bunch of money. So now they got the edge rushing duo. Now they got the quarterback. Now they're following this pattern that has been set forth by the Bucks, by the Rams, by the Chiefs, by the Chargers, by all these teams. And they're saying, all right, 2022, it's our year through this formula that we know can win in present day football. Last but not least, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. The team that kind of looked like they were getting left behind. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking football with some friends. and We were talking about the AFC West. Um, this was right after the Russell Wilson trade. And I'm just, we're musing saying, I feel kind of bad for the Raiders because this, this was a playoff team last year. You know, they weathered the storm, uh, just the off-field distractions that came from Gruden and Henry Ruggs. Made the playoffs. They're a very respectable team. Max Crosby, breakout season, all that kind of stuff. But look across their division and they're just, they seem like they're being left in the dust. And the Raiders understood that. And instead of just turtling up and saying, all right, it is what it is. They said, nope, we're going to fight fire with fire. Let's go out and get Chandler Jones. Pair him up with Max Crosby. And we have a edge rushing duel that is about as good as anybody in football with that combination. They re-signed Derek Carr, who is not the very best quarterback, but a very respectable quarterback in his own right. And they went a step further this last week and said, we got the edge rushers. We have a quarterback who we think is good enough. And you know what we can maybe do to help push him a little bit over the edge? Let's go out and get his favorite wideout from college. One of the best wide receivers in football last couple of years. They go and trade for Devontae Adams, a trade that came out of left field when it occurred. I come off the golf course and I look at my phone and I'm going, what? Monte Adams is being traded to the Raiders? What is going on here? So now we get it another blockbuster trade that involves my favorite team, Green Bay, and the fourth team within this division that is just the microcosm of what the league is. You need quarterbacks, you need edge rushers. Now I want to read something again from Steven Ruiz as it pertains to this particular trade. Finding another receiver who can fill that do-it-all role will be impossible, but the Packers could use the money Adams wanted and the draft capital they got in the trade to build a more well-rounded roster. Maybe they'll be able to construct an offense that isn't reliant on the Rodgers-Adams connection, which allowed defenses to take extreme measures without fear of getting exploited elsewhere on the field. End quote. So I'm more worried and into this trade from the Green Bay side of things, obviously because that's the team that I'm a fan of. And I applauded their aggressive mindset when they were signing the or signing Aaron Rodgers contract most recently and they're doing salary cap gymnastics and I'm going okay this is the first time in my life that it seems like Green Bay is willing to say now is the time we have a small finite window with Rodgers as this level of quarterback the way his contract is signed it looks like two or three years and then time to move on maybe time to rebuild all that kind of stuff but the Packers are saying, now's the time to win. Now, in stark contrast to this, we get the Devontae Adams trade, which there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. Apparently, Devontae Adams is very frustrated with Green Bay, was saying, I don't want to be here. Uh, you guys offended me with your contract negotiations a year ago. You're trying to franchise tag me, all that kind of stuff. I want out. I don't care. So that's a whole other can of worms. Now, 
just as an idea, and if I'm being fair to the Packers, who just traded one of the best wideouts in football in the middle of their win-now mode, I would look at it and say, in a vacuum, this is the type of roster move that I am always in favor of. I think it's the smart way of building a franchise. I mean, it's pulling a page out of the Bill Belichick playbook, the dude who is applauded for being the greatest football mind in the history of football. It's trade your star for high draft picks at the tail end of their prime. Very simple, very easy to understand formula. Football, it's a contact sport. Your body wears out fast. When you have the opportunity to get top dollar for somebody who wants market setting money at a position that is not the most valuable position, then you say, okay, we'll trade you and we'll get a first round pick back or we'll get a first round and a second rounder as is the case with Adams. And we're going to have young, cheap talent and we'll trust that we can hit on that in the draft. And in the long haul, that's just going to be better for us. We'll have cap space. We'll have young talent. And the combination of those two things have always been looked at in NFL circles as kind of the holy grail. Now, that's not as much the case anymore. The holy grail right now is just get the very best stuff, no matter the cost. No matter where we are in three years, if we're just set out to see because we've finagled our cap sheet for the next decade, who cares? All we care about is right now and winning. I mentioned the Bill Belichick playbook, but we've seen that a bunch of times throughout the course of him running the Patriots. Uh, One of the most notable ones that I remember was the Richard Seymour trade when Seymour at the tail end of his prime, just a great defensive lineman, he gets shipped out of town out of the blue. Trade him to the Raiders for a first rounder. And people were freaking out about it at the time because it just seemed a little bit strange. But as time has gone on and we've seen it more and more and we've seen the really smart franchises lean into not paying top dollar at positions that are not quarterback and being willing to trade even stars at the tail end of their prime for high draft picks, we get a little better sense of, okay, this makes more sense as a roster building mechanism. Now, looping back to the Packers and this Devontae Adams trade and how all of this ties together and is really complex and it's hard for me to wrap my head around. The problem here is that the Packers have a very small window to win. As I mentioned, they have a couple years. Rodgers is back-to-back MVP, but he's in his late 30s. and It's gambling a hell of a lot on your upcoming draft or possible free agent acquisitions. However, Green Bay goes about trying to rebuild their skill core. But it's gambling a hell of a lot to think that you can replace the void of Adams within these next two seasons in a manner that's not just we can get by here, but in a manner that says, all right, Green Bay's got a lot of good stuff, especially at quarterback. What can we do to try and win a Super Bowl right now? There's a big difference taking a jump from being what the Packers have been throughout the majority of Aaron Rodgers' career. A good playoff-bound football team because Rodgers is so good that he guarantees them that. There's a big gap between that and being what I think the Packers have been in the last two years, which is a genuine Super Bowl contender. Not just a team that made it in the playoffs, but when push comes to shove, I don't think can win. The last two years, they haven't won, but it's not because I don't think they can. There's a big difference there. And now with the Adams move, the gamble is we can maintain that level of Super Bowl contender, despite the fact that we lost our second best player. We can replace that, like Stephen Ruiz said, in a manner that, yes, in a vacuum, I do agree is smart. A more well-rounded roster, a roster that it doesn't leave Green Bay in these playoff games where Devontae Adams, like against the Niners, is getting double-digit targets and Aaron Jones is getting double-digit targets and everybody else isn't even getting a sniff because the Niners are not afraid of anyone else on the roster. They're going, yeah, throw to Alan Lazard. We don't care. 
Throw it to Randall Cobb. He's 500 years old. We don't care. Throw it to Mercedes Lewis. We'll just go and punch the ball out and he'll fumble it and it'll be a great game-changing play for us. That's what we've seen with the Packers. When teams, especially in the crucible of playoffs, are able to game plan and say, we are taking your star away. What else do you have? And the Packers, as far as their pass game is concerned, have not had anything besides Adams for years. Now, the Packers didn't really have a choice here because Adams wanted out. And it's been reported that the Packers were willing to pay him more money than the Raiders paid him, but he just didn't. Again, there's bad blood there. And he said, I'm done. I'm done with this franchise and I want out. So they trade him for a first and a second rounder, which leads us to the other side. The Raiders being aggressive and saying we are ready and willing to go all in. Now, I don't want to sit here and criticize the Raiders approach as it pertains to this, because I'm very excited that they're willing to go all in in the face of what their division has to offer. It's going to make incredible football this next season. Just the AFC West games, six of them for each team. It's going to be as good as we can get. But the AFC West is going to have some disappointed teams next year and in the following years. And this definitely could be one of them because I love Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in football, but it's always something worth monitoring and thinking about. Just the idea, is it worth it? to pay market-setting money to a wide receiver that is moving on to the tail end of his prime. Always a question you should ask yourself because there's not a lot of historical precedent for wide receivers continuing this level of production. Devontae's last three years, I mean, it's been there with literally anybody in football. Jerry Rice, T.O., like pick your best wide receivers in the history of the game and Devontae's production has been there. But there's not a lot of historical precedent for wide receivers continuing this level of production beyond the age of 30. The most recent example I would point to, Julio Jones. We're a couple years removed from Atlanta throwing a bunch of money at him and Julio just being right in the thick of his prime and murdering the league. Incredible talent. And then his last year in Atlanta, he's injured. And when he's playing, he, is he a little slower? I can't tell, but I think it's just the injuries. Goes to Tennessee last year and looks like a shell of himself. Now he's on the open market and nobody really wants to sign. Just this stuff can nosedive in a year or two years. Hopefully that's not what happens to Devontae because I want him to do good. But I think it speaks to where the NFL is because I'm not sure if the Raiders are looking that far down the road. I'm not sure if they're looking two years down the road, honestly, or if anybody really is within the league. I think everybody is looking at this year and the Raiders, I'm sure they can say with great confidence, adding Chandler Jones, And adding Devontae Adams, we're going to be better this next year than we were last year. And I agree with that. As does Steven Ruiz, who I'm going to read one more thing from him about this trade. I feel confident saying the Raiders will be good. I can say the same about the Packers, too. Even after losing the second most important player on the team. Still, it's hard to say that either team involved in this trade is a winner. The Raiders are paying way too much for a receiver. The Packers just let the focal point of their passing game leave the building. But standing pat was never going to work for either side. Not in today's NFL. End quote. It's an interesting thought, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. That's why I think some of this stuff can be really complex to unravel. Because I'm saying, I understand it. This could work. This could work. But then at the end of the day, I kind of agree with what he's saying. Not sure if I could declare either one of these a winner. Because yes, the Raiders are paying a ton for a wideout. That much money, almost $150 million, and a first rounder and a second rounder. 
And the Packers, in the middle of being involved with a win-now approach, they just let the focal point of their passing game go. That's a problem. But he's right. Standing pat in the NFL, it's a death toll because everybody is involved with this arms race. Just got to get quarterbacks. I got to get pass rushers. If I have those things, let's flush it out. Let's get Devontae Adams. The other big blockbuster, I mean, we had two within the span of two days. Cleveland Browns trading for Deshaun Watson. Um, Cleveland's shipping out a bunch of draft choices. They already have Miles Garrett, one of the best pass rushers in football. So they said, we don't have a quarterback. We don't trust him, Baker. He hasn't shown us enough at any point during the course of his rookie contract. So we're going to sell a part of our soul and a lot of our draft picks to trade everything away for Deshaun Watson. That comes with its whole off-field can of worms. Today, I'm just going to speak about the on-field stuff. Because if Deshaun Watson is playing, and he's on this team, a roster that is very talented, and now has stars, I mean stars, stars, at these two most important positions, quarterback, DN, it's another shift in power within the AFC. Another team throwing their hat in and saying, I got this stuff and I'm ready to go all in in 2022. How many of these teams are we seeing? It's incredible. It's another division when I look at the AFC North and I go, just think about this division. Think about what is going on within the league. Think about what's going on in the AFC West and then think about what's going on in the AFC North. The Steelers might be the worst team and the, speed, the Steelers have incredible talent across their roster. They just don't have it whatsoever at the most important position. They have Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky. That's not a three-headed monster, unfortunately for them. But they have a ton of talent elsewhere and they have great coaching and it wouldn't shock me if they can grind out games in a manner that the Steelers were able to do in the late stages of Ben Roethlisberger's career. But the other three teams, they're present-day NFL to a T. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson, NFL MVP a couple years ago. They can always manufacture a pass rush. They're going to be back in the mix without 3 million injuries like they had last year. The Bengals, they just made the Super Bowl. They're flushing out their roster. They're building out their offensive line in free agency, but they have Joe Burrow. He's a star. He's a quarterback. They have Trey Hendrickson rushing the passer. He was fantastic last year. Complete game changer for their defense. And now we have the Browns. Deshaun Watson, Miles Garrett in a roster that has a lot of talent everywhere because that's what the Browns have been doing over the last four years. Getting draft picks, building up, building up. Go patiently, go patiently. Now the patience is running out because we don't have a quarterback. We thought that would be Baker. Now we're willing to go all in. I mean, think of the conference in general. Think of the AFC in general. Because another team that made a big free agent splash is the Bills, who very easily could have won the Super Bowl last year. They have one of the best quarterbacks in football in Josh Allen. They went out and paid top dollar to get Von Miller to come and rush the passer in Buffalo. Just another team saying, we're locking down these positions. And 2022 is our year. It seems like half of the entire league is cashing in assets, cap space, all that kind of stuff for this season. It's a league. It's a conference in the AFC that's just loaded at the quarterback position and loaded at positions that rush the, rush the passer. The league that I'm saying, who comes out of this? You know, who comes out on top of this arms race? I have no idea. Any of these teams I mentioned, with the exception of the Steelers, it would not shock me if they're sitting there in the Super Bowl come next February. Uh, this stuff is just, it's building up, adding intrigue. It's setting the stage for a season that I'm going, I can't wait. I mean, these, 
I, I think the caliber of football is just going to be off the charts. I think the league has never been in better hands when it comes to talent at quarterback. Now, your hand is also forced in today's NFL. Because if you're not making these drastic moves, if you're not getting aggressive, you're, you're getting left behind. You know, it's kind of, it's a league that's subscribing to the famous Mark Zuckerberg quote, you know, move fast and break things. Everybody talks about it in the entrepreneur world. Usually you sound like a total asshole when you say it. I probably do now. But the NFL is kind of that. Just move fast. If we err, all right, so what? We'll go and try again and worry about it later. But we're going all in right now. That's what the present day NFL is. Now, as we seek to kind of gaze into the crystal ball and based upon our understanding of the cyclical nature of sports and how stuff changes quickly and all it takes is one team to break through that has a different approach and every team will start saying, well, that's what we want to copy. You know, these zigs are always followed by zacks. So the all-in mindset, it's the rage right now. Everybody's leaning into it, including teams that just went out of their way to not do it in the past. Green Bay Packers, great example. But at the end of this next season, you're going to have a lot of teams, all of them but one, actually, that are sitting there thinking about how they didn't win the Super Bowl. And in that period of self-reflection and examination, that's when you start examining other roster-building strategies. You look at who won the Super Bowl and you say, what, is, what did they do that we didn't do? You know, one of those things that comes to mind right now, we're looking for zigs to the zags. Patience. Very simple thing to understand. A thing that is important. but I don't think is maybe treated as important as it was in the past. Now, in the midst of all of this free agent madness, these deals that are being signed, these blockbuster trades, I came across a tweet from Kevin Cole of PFF that I want to end today's show on. As I think about just, there are different paths to winning and aggressive and all in, that's a great strategy, but there's always different ways to get to that endpoint. And it might be getting a little bit lost in today's NFL, but that's just a matter of time. Now, this tweet is about compensatory picks. If you don't know what that is, compensatory picks in the NFL draft, they are awarded to teams based upon the players that they lose or gain in free agency. It's kind of the idea that um, a compensatory pick is awarded from the league to a team to try and balance a loss of a high-value free agent from the previous offseason, okay? So every single offseason, the NFL will say, all right, you know, Packers, you lost these three high-value free agents. They went and signed elsewhere, and you didn't sign anybody in. Okay, here's three compensatory picks that you get in the NFL draft. Now, in the past, this has been another type of holy grail type thing. It's what we looked at and said, this is what smart franchises do. They let... Expensive players walk out the door, especially any position that's not quarterback. And they draft, they develop, they do all those things that we like. Now, this tweet is about two franchises that have operated over the last decade on opposite ends of the spectrum. One is the Baltimore Ravens, one of the most smartest, one of the most respected organizations in the NFL. And the other is the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is the exact opposite. Just a clown show of an organization and has been so and looks like it will continue to be so for all of time. Now, before I read this tweet about these compensatory picks, I can't help but think, and I thought this as I came across it, that's why I pulled it and saved it for today's show. I can't help but think that there's something there that a lot of teams are missing in 2022. This more patient approach that kind of has been eschewed for more aggressive approach. 
this draft and develop, this retain cheap talent, uh, let it walk when it's too expensive and recoup compensatory picks through that formula and just kind of regenerate through this particular process. Cheap talent, cheap talent, cheap talent. Identify people in the draft. Get as many draft picks as I can, compensatory or otherwise. Darts at the dartboard mindset. Kind of, in essence, a more patient approach than what we are seeing. I can't help but think as I see this stat and as I read it to finish the show that there's something there that can be gleaned for teams moving forward. So this is it. Again, comes from Kevin Cole of PFF. Compensatory picks earned over the last 11 years. Baltimore Ravens, 32. Jacksonville Jaguars, zero. Zero. 